Welcome to Bible Chapter Every Day. I'm Matthew. Our chapter today is 1 Peter 3. Let's ask God to bless our time today. Heavenly Father, we pray that we would live to get along with the people around us in the best way that we can, showing the right example and saying the right words when we have opportunity. We pray that we would understand as we read this chapter. We pray this through Jesus. Amen. 1 Peter 3. In the same way, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that if some are disobedient to the word, they may be won over without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful, pure conduct. Let your adornment not be the external kind, braiding hair and putting on gold jewelry or putting on fine clothing, but the hidden person of the heart, with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is highly valuable in the sight of God. For in the same way, formerly, the holy women also, who hoped in God, used to adorn themselves by being subject to their own husbands, like Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose children you have become when you do good and are not frightened with respect to any terror. Husbands, in the same way, Live with your wives knowledgeably, as with the weaker female vessel, showing them honor as fellow heirs also of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. And finally, all of you, be harmonious, sympathetic, showing mutual affection, compassionate, humble, not repaying evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the other hand, blessing others, because for this reason you were called, so that you could inherit a blessing. For the one who wants to love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil, and his lips must not speak deceit, and he must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil." And who is the one who will harm you if you are a zealous adherent for what is good? But even if you might suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their intimidation or be disturbed, but set Christ apart as Lord in your hearts, always ready to make a defense to anyone who asks you for an accounting concerning the hope that is in you. But do so with courtesy and respect, having a good conscience, so that in the things in which you are slandered, the ones who malign your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if God wills it, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, in order that he could bring you to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which also he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, who were formerly disobedient, when the patience of God waited in the days of Noah, while an ark was being constructed, in which a few, that is, eight souls, were rescued through water. And also, corresponding to this, baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven with angels and authorities, and powers having been subjected to him.
Well, that's the reading. Let's dig in. In chapter 2, Peter began a practical section telling us how to live. He first talked about how to relate to the government, then how slaves should treat their masters. Now, in chapter 3, he starts with how wives should relate to their husbands. The point Peter has been making is that we are not from here. We are citizens of God's kingdom. So, while we are on this earth, we need to treat everyone properly so that it will reflect well on God. There is behind a lot of these instructions the thought of persecution. And Peter has said that if we suffer for doing good, then it glorifies God. If we suffer because we have done wrong, then we deserve it, and it doesn't bring glory to God. So Peter says that wives should be subject to their husbands. Our modern idea of the total equality of men and women is a very recent idea not known in Peter's day. However, that didn't mean that women would naturally accept the authority of their husbands, even in that society. And especially if the wife was a Christian and her husband was not, it could add tension to the relationship. So Peter says they need to be respectful and pure. Not an outward show of beauty, which has always been the temptation, but instead an inward beauty in the heart. Peter describes it as a gentle and quiet spirit. Peter gives the example of Sarah, who called Abraham, my Lord, which was a term of respect for his authority in the household. Peter adds, whose children you have become when you do good and are not frightened with respect to any terror. So that mentions the other motivation for why someone might be quiet and respectful, if they are afraid. Some men have demanded subjection based on their strength, so their wives might act in a gentle and quiet way to avoid the wrath of their husband. But instead, Peter is saying that the wives should be gentle and quiet because it brings glory to God, not because they are afraid. Peter instructs the husbands to show honor to their wife. He acknowledges that men and women are different, that a woman has a weaker body. In general, women are not as strong as men physically, and there are in general many other differences between men and women. Every now and then I will hear a story about how something like shoes have always been designed for male feet, and someone is finally designing shoes for female feet. The difference between male and female affects every cell in our bodies. But having acknowledged the differences, Peter tells husbands to show the wife honor as fellow heirs also of the grace of life. They are of equal value spiritually. Our society wants equality between men and women, but our society starts with the idea that our value is based on what we can do, what we can earn. And our society has devalued children, which is the area where women are obviously able to do what men cannot. So women are told they need to compete with men in the business world to be valuable. And as such, our society doesn't want to hear that men and women are different. But Peter has a very different perspective. He says that men and women are equal spiritually, and that is what matters. We are all made in the image of God, and that is where our value comes from. Our roles in life, how much money we make, does not define our value as a person. And Peter gives a warning to husbands. If they are mistreating their wife, it will hinder their prayers. Then Peter talks to all Christians in any circumstance and says we need to get along with other people as best we can. Caring about other people, not repaying evil to other people. He quotes from Psalm 34 to explain that we need to just be good to everyone because God is watching out for us. We don't need to take matters into our own hands. He says, 
really, who will harm us if we are doing good. But if we do suffer for doing good, then it is a blessing because we are like Christ. So we shouldn't be afraid of anyone. We should be ready to tell people about Christ and why we live the way we do, but in a respectful way. He gives the example of Jesus in a poetic form. Perhaps this was a song or poem that was already known by Christians before this letter, or perhaps Peter is introducing it here. At the end, he says in verse 19, in which he also went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. That is hard to understand, but as he explains, he is talking about Noah's day and compares that to us today. Noah was saved from death in the flood through the water and also saved from the sinful deeds of those people. So Peter says we are saved by water, the water of baptism. Not the idea of washing dirt off our skin, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Peter says that the flood is a picture ahead of time of what baptism is today. And now for a deeper dive. There's so much we could talk about. Perhaps you want to know more about what verse 19 means. In which also he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Well, unfortunately, I don't have a special revelation to give you the definitive answer. The less information we are given, the more widely people's interpretation varies. So, let me first caution you not to build a special doctrine based on one passage. If this passage wasn't in the Bible, would you still believe the same doctrine? Because God generally gives us more than one verse in the Bible to know the truth. Now, perhaps in this case, since it doesn't directly affect how we live, God might just give us this one verse because if we did get it wrong, it doesn't affect our salvation or our daily life. Okay. So, the issue is, number one, when did Jesus proclaim? And number two, who are the spirits in prison that he proclaimed to? So, one idea people have had is that when Jesus was in the grave, he went and proclaimed to the other people who were dead what he was doing. Then this splits into two more views. One view is that Jesus was giving them a further opportunity to repent, and the other view is that he was just declaring it to them, but they had already made their decisions in life, so their fate was sealed. Then the other question, who? Some suggest it is the spirits of people who have lived on the earth. Another view is that it is spirits such as angels in heaven. So, I'll give you my loosely held view for what little it is worth. That Jesus was preaching to the people of Noah's day through Noah. Noah was living by faith and preaching to the people of his day. And now those spirits are in prison. I understand this is a little bit of the stretch of the language. But on the other hand, Peter is immediately going into showing how Noah was acting out baptism. I believe that everyone who is saved is saved by faith. Noah was saved by faith. Faith that acts. Noah wasn't saved by building the ark. Noah was saved by faith in God. And he showed that faith in God by building the ark. But Noah didn't earn his salvation. God was gracious to Noah, just as God is gracious to us to save us. So we also need to act on our faith. If Noah had said, I believe God is going to flood the world, but didn't build the ark, it would have proved that he didn't really have that faith. But Peter doesn't say that Noah was rescued by building an ark. They were rescued through water, which is what God did. Some people have a problem with baptism saving us because they will say, that is a work. But I've never heard of someone baptizing themselves. 
They submit to baptism. Baptism is a gift from God to us. We need a moment that we can look back at and say that was when we were saved. People who reject baptism as that moment fill the place with something else, typically with saying a sinner's prayer. It is great to pray to God and ask for him to save you, and then, in faith, submit to the baptism that God has commanded. Scripture quotations are from the Lexham English Bible, copyright 2012, Logos Bible Software. Lexham is the registered trademark of Logos Bible Software.